Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hey, there we go. Audio issues abound. <laughs> it only took Super five and then six games to go in. All right. Welcome to Game Over Edmonton. This was game number six against the Pittsburgh Penguins. I have my very special guest today, Kenny Van, PhD. Hi, everyone. And boy, yeah, this is uh, this is one heck of a game. I mean, matinee game against the St. Louis Blues. This was not. This was a high event game. And uh, boy, we are absolutely excited to bring it to you. I wanted to say, you know, quick recap. Campbell had to put the team on his back in the first. The team showed some spine when McDavid went down with an injury. And then after an edge-of-the-seat game like that, I think we could all use a little bit of relaxation in the room. Maybe put on some some Vivaldi, some Mozart, maybe some Bach. But you know who else is back? Our friends at Sports Interaction. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook. Football continues. The World Series is around the corner, and they have dropped the puck on the hockey season. Bet pregame, live, in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com sdpn. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. All right, Kenny. I think uh, not many people know about you here since you're just uh, one of my friends. I want to ask you, you've watched hockey for as long as I have. What's what's one of your best favorite Oilers memories growing up? Uh, what's your experience with hockey? You know, let us know. Give a little intro. I'd be concerned if the audience knew who I was since neither one of us are famous in any kind of way. Uh, but I mean, I started watching Oilers run like the Ryan Smith era. Um, especially in particular, like I think my my favorite hockey memory was the empty net miss during our playoff run that year. Uh, I mean, it didn't work out because we lost to Carolina in the end. And I think that that blooper has been played on like every top 10, top 50, top whatever list as like the biggest hockey gaffes ever. And it was great to be on the receiving end of like, oh, something worked out for the Oilers that year. But you know, I think that's when I really became a fan. The city was buzzing when we made it deep in the playoffs, and then everyone was heartbroken when it didn't work out. But, you know, afterwards, we had a decade of darkness, give or take, and things are looking back up again. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know what? Talking back to that 06 playoff run, Elliot Friedman did predict Carolina Edmonton for the Stanley Cup final this time around. So what do you think about that? What do you think about this current Oilers team? I am going to be entirely honest. Every time there has been a Stanley Cup playoffs bracket, I keep hoping that the finals will be Edmonton, Carolina, just for like a revenge tour where Edmonton can finally win it in seven or less. Um, but I mean, this this iteration of the Oilers team is a lot more skilled than the than the previous playoff run Oilers team. That that team was more. Uh, I guess like using hockey terminology, gritty, you know, a lot of, a lot of dump pucks into the net have Ryan Smith work his magic and then things somehow end up in there. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. Like I don't remember a lot about the Carolina team back then. The Carolina team back then has just been a, a dark spot. Yeah. It's just, it's just has a bit of happy time for me, but like, I mean, the current Carolina team, it feels like a team that will never give up. 
So it's, it's definitely a team that I think will probably make make it deep in the playoffs and whether or not they'll do well on the East Coast remains to be seen because, I mean, it's only October. But they did they did great in the regular season last year. They didn't get as deep as I think a lot of people predicted. But, mm-hmm. you know, they have the pieces to get deep in the playoffs this year for sure. Well, hey, you know what? There's some similarities out there. Carolina, we beat them. Pittsburgh, we beat them today. So let's let's talk about this game, the biggest news story. McDavid in the second period, going down the tunnel. All of oil country has their collective breath drawn. But right afterwards, I think the team, it almost like that kicked their butts into high gear. Uh, prior to that moment, I thought Kane was not physical. Leon, I know he's had uh, still a good number of points this season. I believe, I believe five points. But he just didn't look like prime Leon, um, Yamo, Pugliarvi. People looked good, but they didn't look like the Oilers that we thought they would be in the beginning of this year. And through that second period, they became it. They became the the feared Oilers that everyone thought uh, they would be going into this season. Uh, we set a franchise record, actually, uh, 26 shots on goal in a period. Uh, that second period was the greatest Oilers period, I think I, we can say, of probably all time. Um, well, at least uh, at least for the periods that we've seen, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of old fans would argue that the '80s probably had better second periods, but definitely, at least in my recent memory. Um, and, and like you said, like the Oilers really were reinvigorated in the second period. Uh, it was a shame that it had to come from one of our players getting injured, and in particular McDavid. And you could really see that during the power play, they were really pressing, and then more in particular, everything after the power play where. They were keeping Pittsburgh trapped in their zone. We got a whole bunch of shots off, which is in stark contrast to the first period where we we barely got anything going, right? Like passes weren't connecting. Shots weren't even really being made. Oilers consistently made it into the Pittsburgh zone, lost the puck by essentially staying on the outside, and then Pittsburgh would push back the other way. And when you look at the shot totals from the first and the second period, they were basically flipped, right? Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh basically had 20 shots in the first period. We had a handful. It went the other way in the second period. So, you know, if the Oilers can play like the second period consistently, that would be amazing. Well, here's the thing. It wasn't just a bit or a joke in the beginning. I thought Campbell actually had to hold this Oilers team in it for that first period. Uh, there's, there's no arguing it. When you high stick a player, they're bleeding. Not to mention it's Sidney Crosby. You're going to go to the box. It's a bad penalty to take. I mean end of the day they didn't score on it but this Oilers team still is starting a little bit sleepy they're still giving other teams way too many opportunities that first period you're right the final shot total I had was uh, 20 to 9 and it was a complete flip opposite in that second 26 to 4 the third period I thought was relatively even Um, I didn't think that the Oilers came down in intensity but i think pittsburgh definitely ramped up what do you think about that third period um i think the third period what might have been what fans on both sides might have expected for an edmonton versus pittsburgh matchup you know you have superstars and huge huge powerhouses on both sides and i think a lot of fans would have expected oh either the the goalies were going to have terrible stats unfortunately for them or it's going to be something like that where um the superstars are actually held two on one, for example, with two D watching them, and then, you know, uh, uh, 
a less well-known player might be the ones potting shots and getting goals in because they're the ones who aren't necessarily protected. Mm-hmm. And maybe it could have been a tighter game, but well, you know, good, I, I, you bring up a good point, honestly. Uh, Campbell left ended up with a nine twelve save percentage on this game, and Tristan Yari ended up having a eight seven two. There's this weird phenomenon, and I know we talk about it uh, pretty commonly, where Oilers, whenever people come to play the Oilers in Edmonton, we always seem to trounce the big-name goalies like Markstrom, Jari, Demko. But at the same time, we lose, we make Vesna candidates out of, like, Eric Comrie. Yeah, like, I mean, one of the things that we saw, for example, during the Buffalo game, the third period, the Oilers really turned it on. They pelted them with, I think, what was it twenty-four shots in the third period, and they were they were hard shots, like followed up, pouncing on rebounds, just crashing in front of the net. Um, I think we ended up having one goal come in, I believe, off Nuge on that final uh, Buffalo game. I believe but so. Yeah, yeah, too little, too late. Right. This is the exact opposite. Um, rather than saying, "Oh, we're we're." chasing from three goals uh we were chasing from two this time and it did take mcdavid having that scare having that injury but i thought this was a a team effort from that second period on leon um i thought fogel played pretty well Uh, hyman's just an absolute beast all the time kane this is i think kane's best game of the season um and even depth players like Derek ryan he took a pretty bad penalty uh, at the end of the game there, but right afterwards gets that break with uh, Devin Shore and still has the sort of game knowledge, that that eagle eye to realize that he has a trailer in cloud and uh, just, just a beauty goal, beauty setup. Um, what do you think about the depth in this game? I mean, the depth in this game doesn't necessarily show up on the score sheet, but in the third period, you can see that, like you said, Ryan McLeod, he potted one, but uh, we hit two crossbars as well with depth players in the third period, right? And a lot of the forechecking, keeping the, the the Penguins stemmed in their own zone, that was like primarily done by some of our depth players, of which you know we may not have seen in the in the first period, or even so much in the first half, the second period, where uh, you know the Oilers previously had a tendency to really rely on our first period, where or sorry, mm-hmm. our first line, where first line, oh. Yeah. Yeah, people kind of joke that if if McDavid and Frysaddle either, or in particular, if McDavid didn't get points, the Oilers were going to lose. Well, this is a game where McDavid didn't get a single point. Uh, he won it pretty convincingly uh, if we ignore the first period because, you know, that wasn't the best time. But, you know, we had some a lot of depth help in this game from our from our third and a third line. It's hard to call it a fourth line when we have eleven forwards, but yeah. Well, and this is the the other thing that was kind of scary. I I do want to go back to that point um, of the personal battle that's always being told between Crosby and McDavid. But mm-hmm. you bring up a great point. When we're playing eleven and seven, especially having not just McDavid but Puliyarvi went down to the tunnel a little bit too. You're suddenly down mm-hmm. to nine forwards, and that almost to me seemed like it kick-started the blender for jay woodcroft uh we've been hearing a lot of oilers fans i i don't know if we want to call ourselves commentators but my uh, co-host zach wheel who's also in chat today thank you thank you for being here uh we've we've oft complained about this team looking like the tippet era oilers where 
after a little while, we're not seeing results, and Jay Woodcroft threw McDavid and Drysdale on the ice together. That mm. didn't happen this time around. Uh, yeah, we we just had a solid blending of lines until we found combinations that worked. And towards the end of the game, I I don't think anyone played poorly. I think uh, even you know bit players like like Ryan and Shore. I thought they they were right around that cusp of like ten minutes uh, tonight. Uh, yeah, like I mean, if we're looking at like <clears throat> on NHL.com, like Shore's at eight minutes, and he's the lowest one on the team, right? Nima Linen's at nine, but everyone else is, you know, ten to fifteen minutes at the lowest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you even see like Kane's at twenty-one minutes, so he was an absolute workhorse today. And McDavid, uh, despite being injured, is also at nineteen. So I mean, the the eleven and seven sometimes like it's I find it a little bit concerning because over long stretches of time, like people will get tired. Right. Right. There's no way around that. But like with workhorses like McDavid, with with Yamamoto, even like we have a lot of players who like th- like throw their body on the line. They go hard mm-hmm. every single game. Um, Nurse even <clears throat> during the playoff, he he got like 30 minutes during some of those overtime games. So when he like, had hip flexor issues, yeah, I don't understand how these guys can go that hard. And then in two days later, it's like, yeah, I'll play another 25 minutes, fine. So, so yeah, and uh, just I, I wanted to to jump in there. Uh, when it comes down to it, these guys do play really hard minutes. Uh, I was talking to um, one of our co-hosts, Avery, in the chat. Uh, we're joking that he's going to have to throw on some ice packs, salampas, whatever it is, because he's going to wake up with a real sore back. Um, great input from the chat here. Uh, Kenny, who would you start for our first road game against the Blues? I think for the Blues, this is a like they're they're a tough team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not going to be an easy win by any means, like at all. I think with like the hot streak that Campbell's on, he's like feeling himself right now. He's got a good save percentage. I just, I think we can start Campbell against the Blues, um, and then as things go on, like I don't want to like look down on the Blackhawks. Like they've had a rough go lately. Maybe throw in Skinner for that one to give Campbell a break. Because it is a back to back, right? You, 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 yeah, we can't go. You can't go two goalies back, like the same goalie back to back. That's just... hey, actually the Blackhawks have been pretty good to start the year. They have. Been. <laughs> they, they haven't been playing uh, a one competition, let's say. But yeah, they've they've been pretty uh, decent to start the year, and I, I don't think uh, you should overlook them. Yeah. But there's. There's a lot of, um, it seems like, a agreement in chat here. Um, the question was first proposed by MGD8862. Uh, uh, and then Zach replied that, yeah, he would go with Skinner. Um, it's mm. a long season. He wants the goalies to stay healthy. You're right. That's that's certainly a consideration. Uh, MGD seems like he's in agreement as well. I think it's time for Skinner since Campbell had the last three games. But I'm with you. I think that... This is a time to send Campbell in, not only because uh, almost of a a revenge tour story, so to say. Uh, <laughs> I I want to see Campbell play against the better teams, the tougher opponents. Um, I we're still waiting on the results today to see if the Blues will be will remain defeated undefeated <laughs> so far in the season. But I I want to see Campbell against the tough competition. Skinner is still a backup. He's a very good backup. I. <laughs> spoken about before that he might be a 1b and not a backup but i'd have much more confidence with skinner in chicago instead uh some more comments here from mgd 
Bouch was 21 minutes tonight. What did you think about Evan Bouchard? I mean, Bouch has been uh, steadily improving throughout the past, you know, the few seasons. Um, and one thing I actually would like, like to see from the Oilers would be to push Bouch on like power play one, even, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Nothing against Barry, but I feel like Bouch has been playing well enough that he might actually warrant getting that time. I think this is his most confident game that we've seen out of Evan Bouchard. Uh, he was dancing at the lines. He was just feeding passes through confidently with speed. Um, maybe it was because the the momentum of the second period, but it felt like this was his best game, not just of the season, but probably as an oiler, it feels like. Um more uh, more input here from Zach. Uh, Leon and Connor have uh, a lot of ice time, and yeah. they frequently get a lot of ice time. So, yes, they are a little bit more um, used to that amount of effort. But he brings up a good point. Holloway should be back by next game. We're hoping to go back to 12-6. and six. Mm. If we do go back to 12-6, and six, which defenseman would you cut? So there, yeah, there's, that's a, that's a there's tough some one. tough ones, right? Like, I mean, our, our it, it basically kind of comes down to do we want to cut Nimalainen or Murray? I think it's like either one of those two because, mm-hmm. like, everyone else um, has been playing almost like a step above them, right? Yeah. Um, and even in ice time, like it's it's on power, like on penalty kills, we can't ignore Kulak, CC, or or. I mean, Nurse isn't on the penalty quite as kill my, quite as much, but he's like like he's at the, our top D man along with Bouchard. So, and then Barry's almost always on our our, our power play. So it just becomes yeah, Murray, Nimalin, and mm-hmm. Chat seems to be favoring Murray. But same you here. Know. You know, I think it, for me, it's no question I would cut Murray. <laughs> there's some there's some times this early on this season where Murray has surprised me. He has weirdly soft hands. Uh, I know Oilers Twitter loves the fact that he has an amazing tan, but I think that Murray just at times is a little too aggressive. I feel like there are certainly times when Nima Linen shows his youth, um, pinching a little bit too much, but I think Nima Lennon started to up his physicality again. He's really gotten used to being uh, the guy. And I think he might be, until uh, until Philip Broberg comes back, he might be the sixth man. Uh, even though tonight, he played technically less time than Murray. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Chad has a great point here where, like, Nima Lennon is the bigger body, right? And and the Oilers really don't have that many huge players that, that are willing to throw their body around. Mm-hmm. Although, think... like, uh, like uh, ignoring the big body thing, we mm-hmm. we do have a few players on the team, despite their size, are entirely willing to run at people at like full speed, like Fogel, Yamamoto, McLeod. Like they're they're all fine with just building up speed and trying to remove someone from the puck, despite them not always being the bigger guy. Yeah, the um the third line with Fogel, McLeod, and Pugliarvi, that's a big boy line. <laughs> they they crash and bang. They've had so much uh, ozone pressure. There was a brief period of time late in the first period where they switched Pugliarvi up to the first line uh, with Yamamoto down to the third. And I thought he played pretty well. But obviously, I think there's some natural chemistry going on between the three of them. 
I'd like to see a little bit more of um, Cloud, Fogel, and Yam or, and uh, Puliarvi. But in terms of the defense, we do have there's there's a difference, right, between being big on the forecheck mm-hmm. and being big on on the blue line. Being big yes. on the blue line allows you to just stand up, guys, uh, and that's something that Nimalainen can do, Nurse can do, um, Kulak to a degree but at the same time like smaller guys like murray like barry they have a tendency to just get walked so we have more comments here from zach what changes would you make to the pk because whatever they're doing isn't working we there's two parts to that there's the fact that pk has been relatively tested more more than you'd like to see uh, this this year mm-hmm. but after you know after that injury we had um we had some big shuffles on the pk as well uh i saw murray nimalainen out together once uh shore fogel was out once uh what do you think about the penalty kill the penalty kill for the oilers has been like an interesting situation because the like, I mean, the Oilers penalty kill have tried things like, like a previous year where they had Nujat there as like mm-hmm. almost like a facilitator, and then they had someone that would usually pressure the the puck carry, and that would be Yams, McLeod, sometimes even Fogel. Um, I don't know if there's like a, a silver bullet solution to this, just because the way our team is built, um, that's kind of I think how we should approach it, where we have like a facilitator, you know a nuge type player and then someone to pressure like a mcleod type player but we don't also want to like overload our offensiveness almost because the Oilers have a bad habit of oh we get the puck let's rush let's try to counterattack. when it works it's fantastic but when it doesn't then we have three players in deep mm-hmm. but it comes back the other way and it's an odd man rush or, or two on one or three on one on the penalty kill and our our, our goalie has to stand on his head to prevent a great a chance on the other team right right um, at the rush against yeah travis brings up a great point uh there was a period of time when mcdavid and kane were on the penalty kill uh hmm. is commonly on the penalty kill to take face-offs uh, yeah nuge is out there like you said but you're right you'd prefer to see guys like Derek ryan you prefer to see guys like devon shore because when you have your best players like you mentioned playing penalty kill you tend to see more rushes and and chances into the offensive zone leading to big swings back uh, right. i i thought that this game was one of those prime examples where the oilers like to play the style of their opponent and beat them at it hmm. it didn't work against st louis both teams played really well defensively but St. Louis was just a little bit better. And yes, there was the the power play goal. But in this game, Pittsburgh wasn't really playing a a real lockdown solid defense. They were trading chances early. And Edmonton is better at doing that. So it seems like when they played that type of game, they absolutely smoked the Penguins tonight. Thinking about it, I think one of the main things about our penalty kill might actually be on the coach's side, like, how how much respect the other team actually gives to our offense, right? Um, because a lot of teams will always fear McDavid. And let's say we put 
like Bryce Saddle Kane or McDavid Kane out mm-hmm. there, or even like McDavid Puliarvi on like the PK, for example, there's like that intangible pressure where McDavid will almost always pull two players, right? Mm-hmm. But that's if they respect that offensive prowess. Where oh, if, if the if we're on the if we're on the power play, we mess up. McDavid goes the other way with one other person. It's it's like a, it's a it's a pretty easy chance, you know. But if they if they just don't respect that then then it could get real dangerous right because yeah you know you, you don't want your best players out there especially on the penalty kill blocking shots right yeah that's another big thing uh, a huge part of the penalty kill is laying down the body and mm-hmm. you don't want i don't even know if it's maybe it's in their contracts you don't want mcdavid blocking shots you don't want no. tricidal blocking shots uh we have some bots in chat um paging robert uh yeah. Hopefully we uh, we get that taken care of, guys. But all in all, I think just to wrap up this game, um, it was, I think, the best game the Oilers have played all season. Um, Carolina, Vancouver, those were the two games that we won. Uh, what do you think? I think this was the best game that the Oilers played for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the second period was like probably the best period that the Oilers have played. Um, I'd argue that maybe the St. Louis game, the third period, might have also been contender for some of the best period of hockey that they played, just because of the amount of pressure they exerted. Right? Like, I mean, just because we didn't score doesn't mean it was necessarily a bad period. The goalie played amazingly that game, but I would think that if any team like the Oilers could pelt the goalie with twenty something odd shots with that many Grade A chances in front of the net one or two are bound to go in. So, you know, second period of this game, third period of the St. Louis game, I think those are, like, great examples of what peak Oilers could do. Great point, yeah. When the Oilers are on, they're on. And you're right, that third period in St. Louis, uh, against St. Louis, was very, very good. Uh, We're just about out of time here, but we do have a little tradition here. Um, At the end of the broadcast, just want to bring out one point. You have one point that you can say without challenge, without contention. Uh, I can go first so you can have a little bit of time to think about it if you like. Okay. <laughs> the Oilers were absolutely dominant, not just on all the aspects that we talked about. They were also very dominant on the on the faceoff dot. And that's not something that we typically get to talk about uh, since we know that McDavid's about a 50 percenter. Nuge is underneath that. Our best face-off man is Dreisaitl. But we have a pretty solid uh, center depth here. And guys like, I mean, even Derek Ryan's taking face-offs. Devin Shore can take face-offs. Even Hyman can do some t- face-offs. Uh, today, we were, at the end of the second period, 60% on the face-off dot. And now, that equalized a little bit to 55%. But I think that's that's one of the subtle things that this team can improve on. And it was very important to what I think this victory was today. Mm, okay. Your go. Uh, in, in regards to the Oilers, at least, I think it would really be beneficial for the Oilers to actually come up with slightly different power play plans. Like early in the season, our our current plan of, you know, McDavid, Nuge, Drysaddle, Kane, or, or in this case, you know, we, or I guess like four powerhouses out there, whether it's Kane or it's or it's Hyman or or who what have you, um, and then Barry in the back works 
consistently early in the season, but as we noticed last season, teams start to figure out certain ways to get around that. I think that the Oilers should try to figure out slightly different ways to score during the power play, where it's not just like the prettiest goal in the world. You know, it touched all five players, goes in in 15 seconds. I really think like having a big body like Pugliarvi out there with like Hyman, the like grinding down kind of thing um, might be really beneficial. Absolutely agreed. You know, just to touch on it as well, there was uh, one of our later power plays where you could clearly see that Pittsburgh was waiting for the drop pass back to McDavid. But Nuge took that opportunity and just went in off of the sideboards. He was just trying to drive as deep as he could. And I thought that was great recognition. Um, We don't have time to talk too much about Nuge, but uh, this was a fantastic game. Thank you so much for coming on today, bud. No problem. No problem. So we will be back on Wednesday when the Oilers visit the St. Louis Blues. That's a 6 p.m. puck drop. And that's going to be the first game where you'll have a podcast hosted by Avery afterwards. So be sure to tune in. Be sure to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to the channel if you like the content. That's it for us today. Thank you so much for watching, guys. And hey, play La Bamba, baby. Bye-bye.